Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Welcome. It is the 3rd of March. Nice to have you guys with us. And it's another beautiful day here. So um, if you have your Bibles open up to Leviticus 17 and 18 this morning, and we will look into the Word of God. God bless us. Thank you for this time. Guide us and direct us, God. Show us these interesting things in your Word that we so desire to see and grow from. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel, and say to them, This is what the Lord has commanded, saying, Anyone from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp, and has not brought it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, bloodshed is to be counted against that person. He has shed blood, and that person shall be cut off from among his people. This shall be done so that the sons of Israel will bring their sacrifices, which they are sacrificing in the open field, so that they will bring them to the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting to the priest and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. The priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and offer up the fat in the smoke as a soothing aroma to the Lord. And they shall no longer offer their sacrifices to the goat demons with which they play the prostitute. This shall be a permanent statute to them throughout their generations. Then you shall say to them, anyone from the house of Israel or the strangers who reside among them and does not bring it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. And anyone from the house of Israel or from the strangers who reside among them who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats the blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Therefore I said to the sons of Israel, No person among you may eat blood, nor may any stranger who resides among you, eat blood. So when anyone from the sons of Israel or from the strangers who reside among them while hunting catches an animal or a bird which may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dirt. For as for the life of all flesh, its blood is identified with its life. Therefore, I said to the sons of Israel, you are not to eat the blood of any flesh. For the flesh of all flesh is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. And any person who eats any animal which dies or is torn by by animals, whether he is a native or a stranger, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and remain unclean until evening. Then he will become clean. But if he does not wash his clothes and bathe his body, then he shall bear the responsibility for his guilt. Chapter 18. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived 
nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes, to live in accordance with them. I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and my judgments, by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any blood relative of his to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, that is, the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You are not to uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness, the nakedness of your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter. Whether born at home or born outside, their nakedness you shall not uncover, the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. Their nakedness you shall not uncover, for their nakedness is yours. The nakedness of your father's wife, daughter, born to your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is your father's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's blood relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and of her daughter. Nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover their nakedness. They are blood relatives. It is lewdness. You shall not marry a woman in addition to her sister as a relative while she is alive to uncover her nakedness. Also, you should not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness during her menstrual impurity. You shall not have intercourse with your neighbor's wife to be defiled with her. You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Also, you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Do not defy yourselves by any of these, for by it all these, the nations which I am casting out before you, have become defiled. For the land has become defiled, therefore I have brought its punishment upon it. So the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, either the native nor the alien, who sojourns among you. For the man of the land who has been before you have done all these abominations and the land has become defiled so that the land will not spew you out should you defile it as it has spewed out the nations which has been before you. For whoever does any of these abominations, those persons who do shall be cut off from among their people. Thus you are to keep my charge that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you so as to defile yourselves among them. I am the Lord your God. And this is certainly extremely descriptive and very concise. You can imagine how this book and the Bible is soon going to be outlawed and is being outlawed in certain countries and certain states in the United States. Canada already there there's some leanings that way 
So why? Because there are things that God says are unclean that we are not to do. We are All of the nations back then were doing these things, the Canaanite nations, and God judged them, and God was bringing in Israel to be an example to them. And the deal is, we as Christians are supposed to be an example to this. Okay, we can all say we're not, we don't have any interest in, in going after those other, the kinds of things described, like the, the, the daughter of our uncle or the, this or that. Or we, are, we love our wives, we love our husbands, but there are people in the church, there, there is within the church all of this going on. All of these things have crept in, and it's quite sad. And it's a prohibition in the law. Israel was judged for it. We're not under the law, but we're under the guidance of the law. And sin is still sin. Sin, all sexual immorality is still sin. Here it's just spelled out directly because it, it was so prevalent. They were worshiping goat demons. They were burning their children to Molech. Can you believe it? They didn't have modern abortion clinics, so the unwanted babies, hey, let's just um, make use of this. We'll just offer this living being to a demon god. They like them. They like blood. It's one of the reasons that they, they part, these demonic cults drink blood because it is offensive to God. And the life is in the blood. There is something special and holy about blood and and the dem- demonic world wants to pervert it and take it and try and t- draw power from it. And they try and draw power from innocent life. And so there's, there's all these very, very strict laws concerning immorality given to us as guides. That sexual immorality is very serious. And we are to be a holy people. And that's what you're supposed to take away from this as you read it, how serious God was and how it is related to idolatry. You can say in our modern time it's not, but it is. When you get involved in, in this kind of immorality, especially when it falls into gross immorality, not just a one time, one fall, one person, but when it's habitual and it gets deeper and deeper into the more perverse stuff, there is demonic demons behind these things, and it is it becomes related to idolatry. And it has to be so we have to be so careful not to allow it in our lives, not to allow it in the church. Mark six. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him and such miracles as these performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. And he was going around the villages teaching. 
And he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And he added, to not put on two tunics. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. King Herod heard of it, for his name had become well known, and the people were saying, John the Baptist has risen from the dead. And that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others were saying, he is Elijah. And others were saying, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he kept saying, John, whom I beheaded, has risen. For Herod himself had sent and had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. A strategic day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his lords and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced, she pleased Herod and her dinner guest. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you, you want, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, Whatever you ask of me, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately, she came in in a hurry to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guest, he was unwilling to refuse her immediately. The king sent an executioner and commanded him to bring back his head. And he went and had him beheaded in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard about this, they came and took away the body and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Verse 33, the people saw them going, and many recognized them, and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, The place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? 
And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them to all sit down on the, the green grass. And they sat down in group of a hundred and fifties. And he took five loaves and two fish. And looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food. And he broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. And there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. Jesus walks on the water, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Verse 53, when they had crossed over to, and came to the land at Gesenrit and moored at the shore, when they got out of the boat immediately, the people recognized him, and they ran about the whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying their sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were being cured. Well, we've already covered that, um, that whole incident of the sea and the feeding of the 5,000. Um, it is interesting the people that were following after Jesus, no matter where he was going, this was the beginning, really, of the church. <laughs> That's what it is to be a disciple. It's to follow your master wherever you see him. Now, they were coming to, to be healed physically. What they didn't know was what they needed more than that was the healing spiritually. And we even covered John the Baptist being beheaded before. But the interesting thing here is we just covered Leviticus, and we had, we get the connection there. Why was John beheaded because Herodias was upset that John was using the law of God and saying, according to Leviticus, it is unlawful for you to be married to this. This is your your brother's brother. I mean, she was his brother's wife. So, yeah, he was marrying his brother's wife. She was related to him, and the, the law forbade it. Even though, well, they were, yeah, he was Jewish in a sense, Herod was they were in other words they were held to the same standard of the law and she didn't like it she didn't want to obey God so she would rather kill anyone the prophet of God she was trying to come against God I will not receive your instruction I want my flesh I want what I want and therefore I'm going to kill anyone that says otherwise and of course you know she may have killed John the Baptist but she did not get away with it. She be, had to stand in front of the Lord for what she did, killing the greatest man that ever lived, according to Jesus. 
Now we'll look at Charles Spurgeon, not left to perish. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Psalm 16.10 This word has its proper fulfillment in the Lord Jesus, but it applies also with a variation to all who are in him. Our soul shall be left in the separate state, and our body, though it see corruption, shall rise again. The general meaning rather than the specific application is that to which we should call our reader's thoughts at this particular time. We may descend in in spirit very low till we seem to be plunged in the abyss of hell, but we shall not be left there. We may appear to be at death's door in heart and soul and consciousness, but we cannot remain there. Our inward death as to the joy and hope may proceed very far, but cannot run on to its full consequences so as to reach the utter corruption of black despair. We may go very low, but not lower than the Lord permits. We may stray in the lowest dungeon of doubt for a while, but we shall not perish there. Our star of hope is still in the sky when the night is blackest. The Lord will not forget us and hand us over to the enemy. Let us rest in hope. We have to deal with one whose mercy endureth forever. Surely, out of death and darkness and despair, we shall yet arise to life, light, and liberty. Well, this is coming from one of the greatest pastors that ever lived, who had a large congregation, who obviously lived to see many, many people sink very low and have great despair, but yet, because of difficulties going on there in England and, uh, and people being murdered and different things going on. Probably, uh, I wish I had my times uh, better around Charles Spurgeon, but I'm guessing he was right before, right around World War I. Forgive me if I don't have my dates right on him, but obviously Europe has seen a lot of turmoil. He would have... Um, been there for much of the people going through a great deal of suffering and Christians and he could see how people could sink low and and get you can get so bummed out by physical infirmities and losing people you love that you feel despair and you feel the darkness but he has this beautiful beautiful insight here but God won't let you go into utter despair he will bring you to allow you to go so low but no lower because you are his and the light is in you. And at some point, then that light will illuminate within you and you will see the hope and you'll see that God is still in control and you'll surrender to it and you'll allow that to guide you back. And so it's beautifully true and it, and it needs to be it needs to be something that we hold on to. Now, I do believe, I do believe it's possible in our modern culture to, to not be brought back because of drugs or not be brought back because of, you know, alcohol. These kind of things can, um, the enemy can use to, to, to obscure the light. And I think some of the tragedy of things that have happened in people's lives when they've taken their own life and these kind of things as believers is because 
they, they, the enemy made sure they weren't allowed to see clearly. Their vision of God's hope was obscured. And sometimes by prescription drugs, they, they cannot think clearly. And so we have to really take that into consideration when um, believers who love Jesus Christ have have decided that their their pain was too much and they went home, took their own life. I think so many times it really wasn't them as much as it was some of these things working through the demonic world because the, the darkness hates the light and will do anything to try and take us out. Well, let's pray then and thank God for this day. And uh, thank God for what he's doing. And thank God that he guides us and gives us boundaries and gives us insight to these things. And we serve a God that is healing. We serve a God, a Jesus, that that loves us and is always out there seeking after those who willingly come to him and ask him to be whole. So, Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love for us and thank you for guiding us. I do pray, that God, that you would um, just... Help us to see what you're doing. Help us to see what you are doing, God, in this world right now. Uh, bring us into a clearness in our minds about the situation in Ukraine and Russia. There's so many false reports going on. We don't know the agenda of the United States, but we just do know there's believers there, are Christians there, there's innocent people there that are being hurt. So we ask that you would save them, bring them into safety and that this whole thing would end. At the same time, God, we ask that you would help us be very mindful of what's going on with China, as China would love to use this distraction to attack and uh, take over Taiwan. So we, we do pray for the believers there, as well for all of the Islamic forces that would come against Israel. And uh, God, so we, we know there's a lot going on we know the days are short, so we just pray, God, that you keep everything at a calm so that we have this window of opportunity to see people get saved. Use the believers there in these war-torn countries, the believers, God, in China that are struggling just to survive because of the oppression of that regime. I ask you to bless them. Bless Esti as she's in Italy sharing the gospel with her with her uh, group there, with those people that are faithfully trying to start a, a church and or have started a church and they're having a phenomenal radio ministry. Thank you for them. So we ask you to increase their ministry amidst all of the regulations there. And thank you for uh, my other two kids that are ministering in their churches. And now for all those that are going back home that have been on vacation here, be going back home soon. God, may you just build them up now that they're rested and have had time to fellowship here with us. Use them in a mighty way to share your word, to encourage people to stay in the word, to, to stay faithful to you. So we do pray, Father, for all the brothers and sisters that have come down here to be refreshed. And also we pray that they also came to be healed. So much of the time our bodies need that to repair themselves. So pray for healing for them. Pray for Dr. Robert that you completely heal up his ribs and lungs as he's needed this rest as well. Pray for Anna, uh, and you keep keep her breathing, God. Keep her lungs clear. We pray for that. We pray for Pastor Joe in his situation with his cancer. 
that uh, you can eradicate that, God, quickly. Same with Francisco, God. We pray that the tumors can be shrunk and that so that he can be set free from this and the worry of it. And God, um, it, it's, it's a constant difficulty, Father, when we're staring into the future. We don't know what the future holds, but we know you hold it and we know we can trust in you. We know, as Charles Spurgeon says, we know that there is a hope and that there's life, there's light, there's liberty, no matter what happens. So thank you, God. Thank you for this day. And we want to put it in your hands and ask you to bless it, God. Bless it abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, thank you so much. We will um, do this all again tomorrow at the same time, continuing on in Leviticus, which many of you have always thought, oh, that's a scary book. I don't know if I'm, it's kind of boring. If you look into it, you find it's some pretty interesting stuff, huh? Pretty cool. All right, God bless. We will see you tomorrow at the same time. Bye-bye. Good morning. Welcome. It is the 3rd of March. Nice to have you guys with us. And it's another beautiful day here. So um, if you have your Bibles open up to Leviticus 17 and 18 this morning, and we will look into the Word of God. God bless us. Thank you for this time. Guide us and direct us, God. Show us these interesting things in your Word that we so desire to see and grow from. In Jesus' name. Amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel, and say to them, This is what the Lord has commanded, saying, Anyone from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp, and has not brought it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, bloodshed is to be counted against that person. He has shed blood, and that person shall be cut off from among his people. This shall be done so that the sons of Israel will bring their sacrifices, which they are sacrificing in the open field, so that they will bring them to the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting to the priest and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. The priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and offer up the fat in the smoke as a soothing aroma to the Lord. And they shall no longer offer their sacrifices to the goat demons with which they play the prostitute. This shall be a permanent statute to them throughout their generations. Then you shall say to them, anyone from the house of Israel or the strangers who reside among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice.